Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to My Independence Report. And today we've got a great show for you. I'm hoping that you'll stay for the entire time because uh, the gentleman over here, we've got a lot to talk about. He's written a book, and the name of the book is How to Beat Stalin, Hitler, and the Southern State Parkway. Now, on the face of it, you might not think that they, they, they're connected in any way, shape, or form, but actually they are. And, uh, with that, we're going to welcome Steve Boris to the show. Steve, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, you're more than welcome. First of all, i got to tell everybody that you're a man after my own heart, and if, if you ever have the opportunity to work with our, the youth of this country and coach football, you are a wonderful human being in my, in my book, and that's, Steve's been doing that for well over 20 years as a, both a head coach and, and a position coach and has helped a lot of kids um, grow up to be fine young men uh, because you can't play a game like football if you don't understand that there's no I in team, that you all have to work together and you all have to be a cohesive unit. So uh, we'll, we'll start there, but we're going to go back all the way back to before you were born. Um, how did you come up with the name How to Beat Stalin, Hitler, and the Southern State Parkway? What's that story all about? Sure. It's about um, obstacles and challenges that you're going to have to overcome in your life. And, uh, you know, and you, some of them can be epic and, and historic, you know, like a, a Stalin or a Hitler. And some can be uh, not as well known, uh, like maybe, you know, like uh, in my case, losing my father in a car crash on the Southern State Parkway. Uh, but no matter what the challenge is, you know, it can bring about your own destruction. Um, and the book is about letting folks know you always have a choice. You always have options in how you respond to these challenges. And that is the key to um, to becoming successful and to thriving in, in life. Um, and the book is uh, a thank you to a lot of folks who helped me in my darkest times and uh, who got got me through some uh, very horrible things in my life. And, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's paying things forward um, and trying to take care of the next generation of people who come after you. Let's start with the beginning, which is your grandmother. Your yes. grandmother lived in a time and a place, <clears throat> excuse me, a time and a place that was I think in looking back uh, after our, after we talked before and looking at your book, I think the time and place that she lived may have been the most horrific period in certainly in modern history um, in what the, she, she had to deal with and, and all the things that uh, were involved with Russia and Germany and Stalin and Hitler and that time frame. Tell us about the story. Well, first of all, 
you did not really know your grandmother because something happened when you were five. What was that? Right. Um, you know, when I was five years old, uh, we were living out on Long Island. Uh, it was me, my mother, my father, and my sister, Janine. And, uh, you know, we had moved out from the Bronx. You know, it was a classic story of, you know, uh, people moving to the suburbs uh, to, to live the American dream with the quarter acre, you know, house and the whole thing. And uh, my Ukrainian grandmother, my babcha, uh, lived in the city in, uh, at that point, Yonkers, New York, and came out to visit us. And uh, as a five-year-old, I only knew her as the nice, wonderful lady who made apple strudel. And, uh, you know, I was a chubby kid, so she was, she was my hero in that way. Uh, she produced a pastry. And uh, my father drove her home early uh, after staying with us for a weekend. He drove her home early in the morning. He worked in the city as a, uh, a lineman working for the telephone company. And uh, he said, Mom, I don't want you to take the train and, you know, get mugged or something. I'll, I'll drive you home so you can be safe. And uh, about halfway out on the Southern State Parkway, um, another car, a woman had been uh, drinking, fell asleep, and uh, crossed uh, her, you know, lost control of her car, drove across the divider, and hit my uh, father and Bapcha head on, killing them instantly. Oh. And uh, you know that was the 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 big shock of my life and uh you know it kind of driven me into you know just set the dominoes rolling you know in my life and uh in a, in a very negative way um you know i never got to really know know her too much but i'm gonna get to know her through uh my mother yes indeed now first of all i want to make sure that everybody understands do not let somebody leave your house, your kids, your husband, your wife, without saying I love you, giving them a hug, because you just don't know what's going to happen and if you'll ever see them again. That must have been a horrific call that came. Was it a policeman come to your house or was it a call that you got? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was five and a half. And uh, my other grandmother, my, uh, my mother's mother, uh, the Italian side of the family, uh, Ida, was getting us ready uh, for school. Me and my sister, and, uh, who was two at the time, she was just hanging out on the couch. And uh, two police officers came to the door and they spoke to her. And uh, then she just started screaming, uh, a, a scream that, you know, you, you could never forget, nor could I really uh, describe. And uh, we didn't know what happened. And she was so distraught, she couldn't communicate uh, what was happening. And so me and my sister just hit under the table. And uh, in the chaos, all we heard was uh, dead. We knew somebody had died, but we didn't know who. And we had to just wait and, and see who walked through the door. And, uh, you know, it was my mother. And uh, and, was, and and then your... your uh grandmother told your mom and and that his that's that same scenario then was repeated with your mom i'm sure um that she was she lost she lost it probably as well huh yeah and uh you know it's just you know if you've gone through it you know what i'm talking about and uh it's just a feeling of ultimate despair and uh you know uh it's disbelief and uh you know it, and, and so 
over time you recovered from that and you grew up a little bit, but there was a question about, about your grandmother because you didn't really know her and right. uh, you were, you were only five. And uh, what was the story that your mom told you about her? Yeah, sure. So as I, as I was growing up and uh, you know, life for me was, was uh, difficult. I was learning disabled. I was flunking out of school. Uh, I was overweight. I was being bullied mercilessly. And, uh, you know, I, I was getting close to the edge, you know, I was starting to think some unthinkable things. And my mom knew this. And she would always say, No, it's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. You know, and as a kid, you say, you mom, you're supposed to say that. You know, <laughs> of course, That's I'm the most beautiful person you've ever seen my, you know, and you don't believe it. And, and finally, she she went to um, the stories about my bopcha. She said, Hey, listen, Dummy, you're you're not the only person who's ever had it rough, and you're not the only person in this family who's ever had to overcome adversity. And that's when she started telling me the history of Babsha, uh, of uh, Eva, Eva Boris. And uh, okay, well, what what's her story? You know, the apple strudel lady. What did this lady do besides make beautiful apple strudel? And, said, and she said, you know, she was basically a superhero. I go, superhero? What are you talking about? And she goes, well, uh, when she was your age, you know, I was about 12, 13 at this time, uh, she was a uh, farmer in the Ukraine. Her family was working, in, you know, there were farmers. That was what you did in the Ukraine back then. Um, life was good. You know, they had a, a very prosperous uh, farm and tons of food and, and lots of family. And then Stalin uh, decided he wanted to break the Ukrainians that they were not uh, submitting to his collective farms, you know, with the communist regime. And in order to break them, he enacted what was known as the Holodomor, or Great Hunger, and basically surrounded the country with the Red Army and had his soldiers come in and take all the food out. And when I say all the food, I mean all the food. They came to the farm, they, they livestock, pantry, ripped up the floorboards, took the garbage. And the only way they could get food was from the collective store, which never had enough, would always run out. And, and six million people starved to death. And it's one of the most evil episodes in human history. Most people don't even know what happened. And, and the Russians today still deny it. You know, Putin, you go, that's Putin. It's like, what are you talking about? It's the flu or something over there. And, uh, you know, and her family had to do unspeakable things, you know, eat whatever you could eat, um, bugs, animals, uh, human excrement. And, uh, you know, some of some folks resorted to cannibalism, though I don't know if they did themselves. Um, and the will it took to survive this was unimaginable. But what you have to understand, they didn't do it alone. They got through it together. And anytime one of the family members was down and out and, and looking to give up and just roll over and die, they'd pick each other up. And the philosophy became live one more day. Live one more day. And the mission was that eventually we're going to have a good life again. You know, maybe not them, but uh, a grandchild, a great grandchild, me, was going to, you know, have, have a, a bright future. And they were going to prove Stalin wrong. Uh, because what you have to understand, it's not just, okay, we want to kill you. It's we want to annihilate you and your people and your culture from existence. Uh, 
And how do you battle that? You know, um, you live one more day and you go on and have a great life. You know, it doesn't mean you have to go be a rocket scientist to invent plutonium or, you know, that you live well and that you love. Part of living well is forgiving and having love in your heart. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that you were also a teacher. You still are a teacher. Yes. And I, I, I do not remember. And I was a student of history. I do not remember that being taught in our history books or a world history about that particular episode ever happening. And it's because there nobody, 6 million people died of starvation and nobody was really talking about it. It's, it's, it's beyond me that, that the inhumane treatment of fellow humans that we are, as human beings are capable of, but then that wasn't it for your, for your mom, for your grandma. It, yeah. it went from the uh, kettle and to the fire. As it, as it were, because then what happened? Yeah, and uh, so they recovered. Stalin eventually relented. They felt he had uh, you know, he'd broken their spirits, and he had, uh, you know, for, for some. And uh, they started to, you know, gain some pounds back and then start to, to recover. Um, and then Hitler was master of Germany. And he starts his policy of expansion of Liberaus and trying to get the breathing room. And World War II begins. And in 1941, he unleashes Operation Barbarossa, which is the largest land battle in the history of the world. Uh, you had millions of men at any time fighting uh, in some of the most ruthless combat. And Bobcha was on the front line. She was immediately captured along with her family, uh, separated never saw another living relative again and brought into a slave labor camp. And, and that's one thing that I, I always had trouble wrapping my mind around was that my Bobcha was, was a slave, you know, uh, you know, you learn about slavery and, and all that with us history, but that, you know, you have a relative who was in that situation is, you know, just really takes you aback. And, um, uh, when she got to the camp, she was on her own. You know, she survived the Holodomor with her family. But now she was facing Hitler by herself. But that changed real quick, because as soon as she walked in, uh, the babushkas, the, the older women in the camp, saw her. She was a beautiful young teenage girl. And they saw that she was alone. They immediately rushed to her, and they took her, took her under their wing. And at first, you know, she didn't know what to make because they made, they said, okay, don't stand tall. She was very tall. She was about five foot 10, beautiful. They said, hunch down. And they put a babushka on her to make her look like an older woman. And then they smeared uh, animal feces on her uh, to make her smell bad to ward off the guards. Because you can imagine what the, the prison guards might, might want to do with uh, a beautiful girl like, like she was. And, and, uh, at every turn, the other members of the camp were there for her. She met her husband, uh, who would become her husband, a man named Eustace, uh, and they were together. And while they were in the camp, folks who weren't family became family. Uh, they had a common enemy. And even though they were completely powerless, their way of resistance was to plan a future that one day they would have a life again. They would have a family. And 
that's how you beat the evil um, is by again wanting and striving and doing everything you can for that for that beautiful life. And eventually, uh, Hitler committed suicide. And they right had the Russians got there. Oh yeah. Now, now that battle that we're talking about, there were quite literally millions of men on both sides, and hundreds of thousands of people died in the in that battle, as I recall. And uh, it it was and horrific time and and she when she went into the prison camp she never saw her family again did she no that was it uh she was on her own from that that moment on uh and again how do i survive this well you build new relationships you find new people you you adjust you know and also you know and that's the thing nobody ever accomplishes anything great by themselves you're going to, you know, all these people I did, you know, you're going to need help. You're going to need support. But also when those opportunities show up, you got to accept it and, and you got to embrace it and, and you got to, you know, uh, take take full advantage. And she did. Um, once she got out, her and her husband, you know, uh, they had two children, my father and his brother. Uh, my father was born into slavery, which is another uh, amazing thing in uh, Warsaw, Germany. Right time that was Poland um, and they started to take the small steps towards having a good life and they were selling uh, homemade wine or some sort of alcohol out of the bathtub right to uh, American soldiers to make uh, some extra money as they were piecing their lives together and then one day uh, there was a knock on the door a soldier came my grandpa Eustace um, you know went to uh, greet the soldier and there was an argument and he, boom, there was a shot and he was murdered in the doorway. Oh my God. And uh, now my, my Bapcha widowed two children, uh, was pregnant with a third, had a miscarriage from, from the stress and the horror, uh, didn't know what to do. Uh, and at this darkest moment, um, a priest from the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, they were Ukrainian Orthodox, and uh, he took mercy on them and by hook or by crook, got them on a boat to America. And they got here and they were arrived in Philadelphia. They couldn't meet their contact because they didn't know the language yet and, you know, whatever confusion uh, as you might imagine. And, uh, you know, she didn't speak English. She spoke six languages. She was an absolutely brilliant woman, but not English yet. And uh, the first night in America, they slept on a park bench. And they always said, she always said it was a good start. <laughs> and think about that. Widowed, no family, can't speak the language, sleeping on a bench, and that was a good start. And that always resonates with me, you know, and, and that's why I had to tell this story. That's why I had to write the book is because, you know, we're always going to have problems, right? And it's always, there's always going to be something else. And we're always going to be feeling sorry for ourselves and that's okay but you know i want you to remember eva and what this woman did and what she had overcome uh to ultimately beat stalin and hitler right because it wasn't just about surviving you now have to have a nice life right oh yeah well you know in in for someone like that to go through see we have us in our cushy life in the United States have really no conception of what it's like to not have anything 
and not to have any food, not to know where the next food's coming from, not right. to have food stamps, not to have a place to be, not to have absolutely nothing with two children in tow. And she must have been just an amazing human being. That's right. Like, you know, when my mother said she's a superhero, I mean, uh, you know, you're a superhero and uh, <laughs> and built herself up. She had to put her, her boys in an orphanage because there was no daycare. Right. And uh, worked her way up. Eventually, they moved up to the Bronx and, um, you know, and, and had a home and, and started life, you know, and uh, and. You know, understand, you know, she was a very tough woman. One of the punish, one of the things she did to try to train her boys, she would, uh, you know, in the summertime when they were off from school and they were, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, whatever they were, she'd put a quarter on top of the fridge before she went to work and said, this quarter better be here when I get back. And uh, it was a way of testing them because, you know, the ice cream man would show up. <laughs> and some days I said, okay, we're going to get some ice cream, right? And I think the ice cream used to cost a quarter. That's a that's what I think is unbelievable. Uh, and if if the first thing she would check is for the quarter, and if it wasn't there, she'd pour uh, some raw rice on the floor, and make them kneel on it, and hold a heavy book over their head uh, for about an hour or so as punishment. You know, and of course we think oh, that's child abuse, but you know she was getting them ready. She was trying to make them tough for their challenges in life and try to build them uh, discipline and. Uh, you know, it was a way of, you know, of uh, her trying to take care of her kids and build them up for their their challenges and create some discipline. But I, uh, we, I would, I didn't do that to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, <clears throat> I was uh, a football player. I mean, this goes all the way back to the seventies, and and uh, they, you know, I and I don't know about other programs, but our program we had coaches that were very tough. And they, they expected a lot out of us. I remember one time we lost it. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I want to finish this story because, um, and then, of course, your father passes away. And uh, by the way, did she? Did your grandmother ever remarry? Yes. And, and, you know, and that to me was like, you know, the ultimate victory for her. She remarried. She started a small business. She owned her own home. She had about four or five dogs. I just remember the dogs running around and uh, attacking me as a kid, you know, and just looking all over and what fun that was. And uh, and she met four grandkids. And that's how she won. And yes. that's how you beat Stalin and Hitler right there. You know, you get out of their camp. You get out of the whole of the moor. You get to America. You start with nothing. You work your butt off. And then you die, you know, with a pretty good life under your belt. And you've laid the foundation for the next generation and the generation after that. And they wanted to, please understand, both both those evil dictators, it was a war of annihilation. Yes, it was. They wanted the Ukrainians to cease to exist. And they wanted them to be erased from history. You know, that's what genocide ultimately means, erasure from history. You, you would never hear. And that we go on, you know, that's how you win. You know, it's, a, it's amazing because there were, there were whole towns that were completely leveled. Mm -hmm. So that like they had never existed. 
uh, as as a way of uh, punishment for or and and also an example that they could set to to keep people in fear and uh, and not not trying to step out and and stuff. And they didn't they were not part of the master race, as it were, at that time. So they were allowed to if they died, they died. And, you know, obviously six million Jews were exterminated, but there yes. were a lot of other folks who were also exterminated along with them. Yeah, the you know, Hitler, and that's the true uh, evil, was it wasn't just uh, the Jewish people. And, of course, that, that is horrendous and, and well-documented, and rightly so. But it was, there was a list. So once they got through with, with the Jews, okay, uh, next up Ukrainians or next up Polish uh, or, or gypsies or homosexuals or, or handicapped folks, there was, there was a long list. And chances are you weren't on the list of people who were going to be uh, spared. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a truly sickening period of time. And, and that you see any sort of reemergence of that sort of ideology today is is just absolutely gut-wrenching you know a the in and on this show we don't talk about the news a lot but but there was uh over the weekend and i'm sure you saw it there was in florida these uh these people that were uh white supremacists and they were carrying the nazi flag and i i i don't understand how anybody could hold the Nazis or Hitler in any kind of any kind of esteem at all, because they were such b- brutal, nasty human beings. Um, why would? But some people do, and uh, yeah. And that that's the thing, you know. It, the struggle never ends, you know, and that's why you always have to be vigilant, and you have to share these stories. You know, it just can't become oh, okay. Well. Uh, you know, ancient Rome and Julius Caesar and, you know, and, and uh, the ancient Aztecs, right? Okay, that happened. And uh, no, this, this, is, this is, you know, stuff that can never be, you know, forgotten. And, and if it ever is, you know, it's uh, extremely dire consequences for all of us. You know, and I don't, I don't think that, that our brain, at least my brain, isn't really capable of, of looking at a number like 6 million and being able to, to take that down to the individual individual and how many people that is and how, how, how horrific that was at that time. And that, that her whole family was exterminated as they took her away because she was a young fit person. They could utilize her as uh, slave labor and the older, more infirmed people were not taken because they were more of a they they couldn't carry their weight right mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's probably what happened to her um relatives who weren't healthy you know they probably went to the death camp and uh, you know and and it's just that you were just seen as human cattle uh, you know and and not a person but a a commodity i'm so sorry right here no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, my dog was about to go bananas here. Okay. Oh, what, um, what kind of dog do you have? Uh, she's basically a giant yellow 
cake. I don't know. She's just a big wolf. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's talk about you. Your mom, you, you grew up and um, life wasn't easy for you either. And there was a, there was a time when you felt like you might uh, want to t- uh, take your own life. And uh, as you know, a lot of teenagers do when they don't fit in or they get bullied a lot and they, they don't look like everybody else. And it, it makes it very tough. Where was it and how was it that you made that transition? Was it the story of your grandmother or was that just a piece of what made the transition to become the man you are today? It was it was uh, a huge part, you know. It kind of you hear that, and it kind of you know set me on fire. And uh, you know, I realized I also had an obligation to that story. You know, um, that if I rolled over and didn't do anything and just kind of gave up, the evil that my bopcha beat would win. that I was going to be the fulfillment of that legacy. Right. And, you know, my mom told me, she said, you don't have to go and become president or this, or, you know, it's not like you have to, but it's to have a good life is to love people is to take care of your family. And, and, and that's the victory. And I said, okay, well, that's great. Well, how do, how do I do that? You know, I can't do anything. I'm can't, you know, I couldn't spell, I couldn't spell cat if you bought me a vowel. You know, I had to off my shoes to count to 20. I go, what, what am I doing here? You know, I go, go to make friends. Hey, you're fat. Oh, thank you. I know. I can look in the mirror. Thank you for putting that up. You know, all these geniuses. And, and my mom says, okay, well, you know, you're going to play football. You're big. Go play football. And it's about, you know, for me, it was football. It could be anything. You got to find a place to fit in. You got to find a niche. You got to find a a group and that's where schools are so important um and and when the school t- truly is, is doing its job it, it's finding places for kids to excel to uh get them in, in a in a position to win and she just pushed me to football and the coaches and the people you meet there you know they they really you know saved my life and, and showed me how to execute on my Bobcha story, right? Okay, well, you, you got to do this. You got to be great. Okay, great. I'm about to roll over and die. How do I do that? And the first day of football, uh, we got to run a lap. God knows how long it was. To me, it looked like the the Boston Marathon, you know? And it was, oh, my God, what is this? You know, anytime I ever ran was for the ice cream truck. Now I'm running this uh, epic. And I was walking. I was, you know, gagging dry heaving. And the captain, uh, this kid, Jason, who was just, you know, phenomenal athlete, he finished lickety split. And then him and some of the other guys, they came back and got the chubby kids. And they grabbed and say, we're going to get through this together. You know, and I think the first time I think they, you know, he practically carried me across the line, you know, but it, it was an amazing thing because once you joined that team, you were part of a family. And the slogan we had was brothers forever. So I was a young kid. He was older. You know, now he was my big brother. And and I got that just by showing up. And they said, well, you keep showing up. You're part of the family. And it wasn't, oh, what can you do for me? You know, I was the worst kid on the team. I I was terrible at football my first few years. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Didn't matter. 
I was part of the family. And as long as you showed up and tried your best, you know, you were going to be a brother. And the next day in school, walking down the hall, you know, usually getting hit with food or, you know, worried about ketchup getting, hi, Steve. No, Steve standing behind me. (laughs) No, you dummy. Oh, you know, and, you know, don't get me wrong. We weren't going to parties together, you know, and all that sort of thing. But just the acknowledgement that you're alive Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're, you're a good person and, you know, and you belong. It was life-changing, you know, and that just kind of began the whole thing. So I had the inspiration from my mother telling the story and then my mother, you know, doing her part and just, just, and that's the other part of the book was I wanted to bring uh, her voice back, you know, because the way she would speak to me and motivate me and, and just, you know, um, was just truly very, very special. And as, uh, and I had some great teachers too, you know, I got diagnosed with a learning disability and my special ed teacher, Mrs. Dudick, you know, would not accept anything but greatness, you know, and you come in there with a million excuses and say, okay, I don't care. Oh, you're, you're learning disabled this, you you lost your father, boo-hoo, do your homework. Okay. You know, it was that tough love that got you to where you had to be. You know, she wasn't going to say, okay, oh, I feel bad for you. You know, here's a cookie and and just go cry. (laughs) All right, bad stuff happened. What now? And my mother would always stress to me, you know, her favorite phrase was, you can have what you want or you can have excuses. Your mother sounds like a great lady herself. And is she still with us? No. And that's one of the big tragedies of the book is that uh, with her love and uh, setting plans, because that's the other thing, you want to do something, you have to have a plan. You got to have a roadmap. You know, my wife's when I drive the car sometimes before GPS, where the hell are you going? You know, where the hell are you going to get lost? And uh, she started laying out a plan. And it was a crazy plan. She said, okay, you know, you played football. You're the worst kid on the team. You can't spell cat, you know, if you buy the vowel. You're going to go to a great school. You're going to have a football scholarship. And you're going to have a girlfriend. You're going to have a wife. And you're going to live happily ever after. You must be crazy, you know. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? You know, anybody who heard her say this, would, you know, they might call the hospital. They might say, oh, Norma's lost it. Um but she said, no, we're going to do it. You have excuses, but we're going to get this done. And I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And at every turn, a, a new teacher would show up, a new coach would show up, a new teammate would show up to, to teach me something new, to get me to another level. And going into junior year, I was captain. I was all league. Uh, you know, I was in the best shape of my life. I was, you know, muscles everywhere, you know, and, and, oh my goodness. I had girls talking to me. Oh my God. Everything mom said was coming true. You know, and the girls talking about, oh, I didn't know what to do. It's kind of, oh, you know, and, uh, oh my God. And and so going, yeah. And so now we're, we're going into the spring of my junior year. And okay, my goodness, mom, everything's coming together. And I get a 
knock on the door in my classroom. You know, it's third period and the principal's there. I said, Steve, you got to come with me to my office. I say, oh, yeah. And, and I start thinking, hey, because uh, I saw it last the year before, this must be a college scout here to recruit me. Right. Because that they would pull you out of, out of class and you go and talk and give their sales pitch. It's great. You know, I'm going to get recruited. He pulls me into the office and he said, Steve, you know, it's, it's not a, a college coach. Uh, got bad news. Your mom was in a car wreck oh, no. and she's dead. And, uh, you know, that just ripped the, the ever loving guts right out of me on that spot. And, uh, you know, he hugged me and, you know, I'm always grateful for him, uh, to this day, the way he was able to break the news to me and, and, uh, you know, hug me and take care of me and that I couldn't imagine what it was like for him to have to do that knowing, uh, the situation. And, uh, you know, that was the next crossroad for me. And a lot of people were, were real worried because, okay, what are you going to do now? Because they knew how supportive my mom was and how much she had really, you know, helped me in, in so many ways. Um, and that now becomes the crossroad. What do you do? Do you finish the plan? Do you do, you do, do you fulfill the mission, you know, that my Bapcha had started? You know, by, or, or do you go the other way, you know, and turn into a bottle or turn into drugs or, you know, just drop out and give up. And, you know, I'd always come back to what my mom said. You can have what you want or you can have excuses. Well, guess what? I got some pretty good excuses now. <laughs> you, you have circumstances of life that very few people have had to go through. And you're right. A lot of people... Um, a lot of people quit. A lot of people say they then I can't do it. I won't do it, and uh, they they turn to um, drugs and alcohol, and and um, their lives become a homeless mess. And what was it? Was it your belief that you wanted to follow the plan that your mom put out there that that you were going to make her proud and make it happen? It had a, had a lot to do. It was everything, and and also the community, you know, and. And that's the other, you know, part that I try to stress in the book. I didn't do this by myself at all. No. That people literally came out of the woodwork, people I didn't even know, at propitious moments, you know, talk about just in the nick of time, to help me in ways great and small. And and without them, I, yeah, I definitely would be in a gutter. Well, well so so uh, now, what did you what did you do? Your 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 grandmother was gone. Your your dad was gone. Your mom was gone. You were about 17, 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Um, did, did, was there another relative that you went to? What, how did? Yeah, we had um, two uncles living with us, my mother's brothers. They had moved in for various reasons over the years. And my mother's mother, my grandma Ida, ah. uh, and they took over as the guardians, uh, the guardians of the, the, the Borises. And, uh, you know, so we were able to stay in the house. Um, my parents were wise. They had a life insurance policy, you know, so we were able to, uh, you know, keep keep paying bills. And, you know, I didn't have to go to work in a coal mine or something like that. And Social Security kicked in, you know, so we, we weren't, you know, wealthy by any any stretch. But, you know, we were able to keep keep uh, everything going. Uh, and let me tell you, if you're a parent, get life insurance. Oh, yeah. is it is absolutely uh, an imperative um, to take care of, you know, something like this happens. 
Um, and and again, you don't know when that's going to happen, and it it can happen like in a day. If you can go to school, and um, you get called to the principal's office, and your whole life has changed. Right. And you know, and just the people who who stepped up to help. You know, uh, I got a, my girlfriend Nicole, and I had to take the the driving test. And her mother's, oh, you can use my car, right? And she pulls up in the minivan. I take the the road test in her minivan, and of course, I crash it, you know. And uh, it didn't work out too well for them, but you know, she broke up with me after that. But uh, anyway, you know, it's you know, didn't have to. Again, right? It, it, it's just people stepping up. Um, coaches, neighbors, you know, even like, uh, you know, the, uh, just um, a trade of chicken cutlets goes a long way, you know. Yes. And uh, I remember my chemistry teacher, you know, Mrs. Buckmaster, you know, I come in and she's got all the work that I need to do. Uh, okay, this is the schedule where I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to, you know, take care of it. And here's 20 bucks. Go take your sister to the movie. Okay. You know, again, didn't have to do it. Um, I remember even before going away to college, you know, the night before, uh, okay, I'm going to go to college the next day. And uh, my friend showed up, threw a party for me, you know, a little party. And they go, here's your presents. I go, oh my God, what'd you guys get me? You know what they got me? They got me soap. They got me (laughs) toothpaste. They got me towels and sheets. I go, what is all this? They go, we were looking and you don't have any of this. You're going away to college tomorrow. You, you don't have soap. Oh, I thought I'd get it, in a, you know, the way a parent would, right? You right. know, you get, you know, prepare your, your kid. Oh, oh, okay. You know, and so, well, who sent them? You know, who, who sent all these people at the propitious moment, you know, to get me through to, uh, you know, something else? And, uh, you know, and again, I didn't do it. You know, I had to work very hard. I had to take advantage of opportunities when they came up, you know, but it's also about, you know, accepting the help when it shows up and being grateful for it. And it's, it's, um, especially I imagine when your mom passed away that, that it was in the news and it was, you know, that a couple of teenage kids were left and mom and dad are both gone. And, and that tugs at the heartstrings of people and really good people that are interested in, in helping you. And, and I am, and because of that, fast forward a little bit, because of the help that you got, you turned around and you're paying it forward and you're doing a tremendous job and a tremendous service to your community by being a football coach, by being a teacher, by being a role model, by doing all of the things that your grandmother, you know, there are people on the other side that are looking down at you and saying, that's my boy. We got him. We got him right where uh, we, we wanted him to be. And he's taking care of life and he's taking care of his family. He's taking care of the community. Um, he's doing some, he's doing some great stuff and he's, he's written a great book. By the way, we're talking with Steve Boris and, uh, and he's written the book, how to beat Stalin, Hitler and Southern state park and the Southern state parkway. It's a tremendous read. I was, I was reading some of the reviews. You must be very, very grateful for some of the reviews are just phenomenal of, of this particular book. I highly suggest you go out and get it. It's a really important piece for you to understand, number one, for me, understand history a little bit better, 
what what were we able actually capable of doing in the in the 30s and 40s to each other uh during world war ii and then the life that you've led and turned around and i really fully respect you as a football coach because some of my favorite memories of was of my high school football coach and uh he was a integral part of my life and i know that you're doing you've done that for literally thousands of kids at this point well i I hope i've done right you know now now don't get me wrong i've made many mistakes and we are human we all do (laughs) you know and you know i've screwed things up um go ask my wife how many times i've screwed things up (laughs) my daughter i think has a flow chart um and you know that's the other side of it you know there are some people who i might have wronged or hurt who might see me as their stalin or hitler uh you know maybe i've i've you know denied them an opportunity i put you on the bench or something like that um you know i gave you a bad grade or you know maybe i I, you know uh, and the hope is in that case well did you overcome right And, and you know, and every time I screw up, you know, um, it's about asking for forgiveness and trying to do better the next time and, and being humble about it and trying to learn from mistakes. Um, and sometimes you make this, the mistake two, three, four times. And, you know, but that's what we're here for is to, is to keep trying, to keep trying to do the right thing. And, and ultimately, you know, if, if we're acting with love in our heart, you know, that, that's going to go a long way. And, you know, to me, that's the answer. Um, you know, you're talking about before you saw the Nazis in Florida. Where, you know, that that philosophy, it's an absence of love. Yes. If you want to sum up what it is, it's an absence of love. And, you know, the only way to combat that, you know, and I've had arguments with friends and family about things in the news, you know, and what was bothering me most about those was it was always who to hate, who to blame. Who's at fault? Who's the problem? Instead of okay, what what can we do together? Uh, you know, what's the common ground? And, and you know, and uh, when we were on the football team, you had different people. You know, when I, when I played at Fordham, you had people from all over the place. You know, coming together. But what brought us together? You know, we love football, and you know, one of the reasons you love football because you love family. You love being together with people. You like working hard for a common goal where we can all succeed together. Well, that should be all society. You know, and, and the idea is, well, it's not just the football field. Okay, that's where you learn it, or the softball field, or, you know, the, the play. You know, my daughter's a, a theater, per, you know, or the dance troupe. You know, okay, great, you did that. Now bring it to the community. Bring it to politics. Bring, bring it everywhere because, you know, everybody wants the same thing. You want to feel belonging. And you want to feel loved. And, and that's something that's been missing. You know, we can get into the whole economics, of, which we won't. It's not uh, appropriate now. But, like, you know, uh, that that's why I think so many people are, are angry and distraught right now, especially going through COVID and not being able to visit friends and family and, and the whole thing is, uh, you know, we, we don't have that togetherness. In order for us to move forward we have to understand that we are more alike and similar than we are different and doesn't matter what the color the pigmentation of our skin it doesn't and none of that none of that stuff matters 
what matters is you're right is that we care about each other that we work to to uh uplift each other to create something great together and that there is no other there is only us and we need to treat it that way very well said and uh, and i steve i tell you i i've i appreciate i'm gonna have to go i haven't read the book yet i'm gonna that's gonna change because it's it uh there was uh um the review that i read said that it'll have you crying it'll have you laughing it might even have you peeing your pants and uh, <laughs> so well, hopefully not the third but <laughs> exactly well you when you get to a certain age you know you just aren't sure anymore um but it's uh it's it's great fun to have you here and i would i would like to take a moment before we close for you to i'm gonna step aside and i want you to tell our audience the folks that are listening now and the folks that are going to listen to this in the future anything that you would like them to know sure um you know i i wrote this book um, during the COVID outbreak and all the, the trials and tribulations we were going through because I saw a lot of folks losing hope and uh, I saw a lot of depression and I saw a lot of chaos. And in times of when I was down and, and out, the, the one voice that I always wanted to hear that I know that could heal me was my mother's. And I can't tell you how many times I would sit with her as she smoked her parliament cigarette, as I ate a piece of crumb cake at our kitchen table, and she just talked and listened. There you go. All Look right. Familiar? Look familiar? We're serendipity right there. That's uh, the universe at work. And um, and I thought her voice needed to be heard again. And uh, a lot of the book is conversations with my mother. And I think uh, we could all do... Uh, it would all do us some good to have a chat with uh, Norma, my mother, and have a piece of crumb cake and maybe a, a cigarette if you're so inclined. <laughs> and I will tell you that your mother is alive and well, and she's looking out after you, and she is proud as hell of the man that you've become. And uh, you should be proud of yourself as well, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's a, it's truly a remarkable story. It's a remarkable family. Um, how's your sister doing, by the way? Uh, you truly did not read the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll leave that as a cliffhanger. Uh, yes. that, uh, that you need to get the book to find out what happened to Sith. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I appreciate I appreciate the man that you are and uh, uh, thank you for coming here. And, and on behalf of all the kids, because I, I was on a football team and there were at the, at the end when I was a senior and, and we, it was the last game and, and uh, all, a lot of us were a little injured and stuff. And we looked around that room and I, I have never felt the love for a group of people like that before or since. And mm -hmm. it's part of my life that, was really shaping it shaped my life and the man i've become over time that uh that we can be a team and we can all work together we don't have to fight we don't have to hate we don't have to fear we can care for each other love each other and get the job done for everybody because if if not every if everybody doesn't make it none of us do uh, exactly that's perfect 
That's perfect. And, and imagine if we could feel that love all the time, even as old men as we are now and with our neighbors and, uh, you know, and the folks in the town next to us, you know, and, and uh, all religions and political stripe and whatever, you know, fictional division you want to throw out there. Whatever you want to create, create something good because you get to, you get it, you get that choice and um, do something nice for yourself. Create something good. Steve Boris, thank you very much. You're going to have to come back because I really, I really like talking to you. You're, you are, you're a dynamic individual. You're great. Now, this, this was a pleasure. You're a wonderful man. And this was a, an amazing experience. And I appreciate all the, the, the great work you're doing with this, this broadcast and all your other endeavors. It's, it's the, the right thing to do at the, at the right time. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And it's, it's, it's necessary. It's vital. It's in my heart. It's in my soul. It's my passion. And this is what, and bringing people like you to the world, it's important that, that I do this and I do this for mankind because if we can fix it and I know we can, but we can only fix it if we work together. We can't fix it if we're going to be divisive and uh, live in hate and fear. doesn't work. Just got pumped up right there. That was good. So (laughs) Steve, thank you very much. You wait right here. I'll be right back. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to each other because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time. Steve, thank you. That was awesome. Uh, thank you. It was a that was a blast. That that was really good. We got some good information out, and I hope I hope some people will buy the book. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's. It really is a it really is a cool adventure that that you're on and and stuff. So that's that's and you, you, all of your uh, let's see in podcast.